the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Then children were brought to him that he might lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked the people, but Jesus said, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went away. Matthew 19, 13-15. Welcome to the Antithesis. My name is Owen Strand, and I will be your host. I thought recently of Jesus welcoming the little children, his care for the little children, because children are very much in the forefront of our national conversation. One of the major areas that has concerned me of late and many others is the normalization of so-called drag queens. Drag queens are everywhere, and this is Pride Month right now in America. You can't fire up your Amazon Prime account or load the Internet or read an article, watch a show without being reminded that it is Pride Month. So we are in the midst right now in 2022 of America celebrating what the Bible clearly abhors. What the culture takes pride in, God abominates. Romans 1, 18-32 could not be clearer about the sinfulness of what is called transgender behavior, of drag queen uh, antics, of homosexuality, of these sorts of sexual depraved behaviors. We need to know then that it's not just Pride Month all around us such that adults can do what they want. That is so often the way the sexual revolution has been framed. Why do you care about what goes on in my own home? Why do you care about what goes on in my bedroom, so to speak? Lovely language there that I love repeating in public. That's been the argument for decades now. I remember hearing that growing up as a Christian, and when you'd get into a conversation some 20 years ago, people would say, well, it's just my life. Why do you care about what I'm doing uh, on my own free time according to my own volition. And that was the argument that obtained for a very long time. But what we are seeing now is that it is not at all, and you need to be totally disabused of this notion if you're still confused by that kind of framing. This is not at all about just what goes on in the privacy of one's own home. That is not what is taking place in the late stages of the sexual revolution around us. The encroachment of neo-paganism is not about people getting to do in their own private spaces what they wish to do. It is, a, uh, it is a campaign to change society. And if we look beyond even the kind of battles in the public square between so-called left and right forces, we who are Christians know that this is not at all just a political struggle. This is a spiritual battle. We in America are witnessing an absolute all-out war between the forces of light and the forces of darkness. This is not a solution, as we've talked about on this podcast before, that is going to come from being nice 
and from treating the other side merely with gentleness and respect. We always, as believers, need to bear the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, 22 to 23. So we're never taking a season off from the fruit of the Spirit. We always need to be Christians. We need to be demonstrably Christian. We need to speak the truth in love, Ephesians 4, 15. But we need to know this. The solution for what uh, is, is all around us today, again, is not going to come from being liked and respected by unbelievers. It is time for the church to understand that we need to take a stand in 2022 and beyond. So I have three overview thoughts for you today in our drag queen moment. Number one, we need to stand against the normalization of drag queens and related behaviors. If a person wishes to behave in a certain way in the privacy of their home, of their own home, that is up to them. But in terms of the normalization of drag queen identity, for example, in libraries and public settings and children being invited into these, uh, these environments, in terms of pride parades and these kind of realities, the church in the last 10 years has been told that if we are just nice enough that all of this will resolve, that we will, we will make the bonds we need to make, we'll be the kind of salt and light presence we need to be, and uh, we, we will see this ideology gradually probably uh, drift away. That is not at all what is happening. There is nothing less than demonic and diabolical energy behind these kind of trends. If no one is saying that to you, at least hear it from me. Hear it on this humble little podcast, because this is a tremendous specter of evil that is picking up in America and in the West. And you, as a Christian, need to take a stand against it. You need to understand that there is absolutely nothing loving of neighbor about letting drag queens into the local public library, about enabling them to, uh, in some form, perform for school children or invite children into their settings, and you should stand against a pride parade or something like this in your community. You're going to be called a culture warrior by Christians around you. You're going to, uh, you're going to be identified as the problem if you take a stand including by a good number of conservative evangelicals, evangelicals, conservative, that is, at least in terms of the the doctrine they profess to hold. You're going to be seen as the problem, and they, being nice and not taking a stand against anything, are going to be seen as the solution. But I want you to hear from me. I'm going to have just a quick episode today. This is not one of the, the longer form ones I want to give you. As we wrap up, the recording season for 2021-2022. This is actually our last episode. We're going to have some summer episodes that are a re-release of the content of the last year, some of the the more uh, tangible podcasts I've done, episodes I've done in the last year. We're going to be re-releasing for the next uh, couple months here. But I want to close out the podcasting season and say that that kind of approach that is being celebrated as the solution is not the solution. You need to take a stand against evil ideologies. You need to recognize that these kind of performances and this kind of uh, push for sexualized normalization, it is coming from somewhere. It comes from evil ideology. It comes from, ultimately, a devil who hates the creational design of the biblical God and who wants to oppose that design and wants to tear it down and wants to normalize sin in its place. And it is right. It is right 
to stand against the normalization of these trends. It is the most Christian approach you can take. It is not Christian to abdicate your witness, to go quiet, and to only try to be liked by unbelievers. In all your public witness, be a born-again Christian. Be salt and light. Bear the fruit of the Spirit. Love your enemies. But you need, secondly, to fight for your children. You need to protect children in public. This ideal seems to be just about lost among evangelicals today. You see, that's what, that's what results if you do opt out of the so-called culture wars. You yourself may be fine. You may sit there and enjoy your nicely curated life. But the reality is your children can't fight. Your children have no voice yet. Your children cannot take a stand. And so you are passing down all the trends that are arising around us. You're passing those down without a fight to the next generation. I don't mean that you and I as Christians can single-handedly stop the spread of neo-paganism in America in 2022. I don't think that we can. God has to work here. God has to intervene. But what we need is not an army of quietist evangelicals. We need an army of praying evangelicals who love their children, Christian children, the children of the church, I guess I should say, and love their neighbor's children, the children of their society, the children of their country, enough to take a stand for them. Who will take a stand for children? Who will speak for children today? If you are trying to oppose evil in the public square in a John the Baptist kind of way, Matthew 14, 1 through 12, John the Baptist was beheaded for speaking publicly against the sexual sin of a public leader. If you take that kind of stand, then you are opposing evil and you are doing what a Christian should do. That is love of neighbor. Love of neighbor does not mean smiling when your neighbor unfolds their depraved behavior around you and others in public. That is not love of neighbor. Love of neighbor is not quietism. I am, I am so troubled unto the point of distress by how the second greatest commandment given us by Jesus in Matthew 22, 34 to 39 has been co-opted. Instead of meaning an aggressive dominion-taking mandate where you love neighbor by acting boldly and lovingly and convictionally as a Christian in the public square, in, in, in the broader world, love of neighbor has been domesticated and tamed and put into a precious little box. Love of neighbor basically reduces, as I have said in numerous episodes this last year, to being seen as nice, to trying to be known as winsome. When you turn to the pages of Scripture, though, you find apostles and disciples in a church that is absolutely turning the world upside down with their bold, convictional witness. And are they, I'm sure, seeking to make sure that their speech honors the Lord and tells the truth and is gracious as it can be? I'm sure they are. I'm sure Paul and the apostles and others and Peter are doing so, yes. But the fundamental burden of their heart is not 
to make sure that their tone never offends anyone. The fundamental burden of their heart and mind as believers is to tell the truth of God, glorify God by their witness, and love their neighbor by opposing evil and promoting what is righteous. And we have an army and a generation of Christians who pat themselves on the back if nobody opposes them for their tone. Nobody is opposing you for your tone because you're not saying anything. Nobody is opposing you for your tone because you have no public witness. This is not true of every Christian today. Thankfully, there are a good number who are convictional and courageous, but it is true of many. Do not pat yourself on the back if nobody is opposing you because you say nothing. Go the opposite way. Recover a a Sermon on the Mount kind of approach to your public witness. You are not called necessarily to to be a senator or uh, a celebrity or uh, an intellectual or something like this. But in your corner of things, as a believer, as a Christian man or woman, as a young man or a young woman of Christ, you believe the Bible. The Bible is your mandate. The New Testament teaches you how you are to live in this era. We are in the era of the New Covenant, and if you are a Christian, you are washed in the blood of Christ. The Father's wrath is propitiated on your behalf, satisfied for you, and you are freed from the fear of death, the power of sin, the dominion of the devil. And now you are God's. You are not your own. You are bought with a price. You do not set up your own life. Man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. And you need to remember what Jesus himself, who is going to die for the glory of God, tells you about persecution in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 10 through 11. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Matthew 5, 10 through 11. We're in an age that I think among Christians cares less and less about the actual direct witness of the Scripture, the the shaping witness of the words of the Bible themselves. That is kind of called by some biblicism. If you are a critic of biblicism, you need to watch yourself. You need to watch yourself very carefully because the words of the Bible are the words of God. The words of the Bible have the very power of heaven in them. Quoting the Bible and believing what the Bible says and then living by it is not biblicism. We are all going to read different sources. We're going to learn from theologians and pastors. We're going to hear from tradition, from what Christians have done. We're going to consult different sources and seek wisdom in different places. But the Word of God itself is the Word of God. Paul praised the Word of God above the words of men in 1 Thessalonians 2. Paul indicated an absolute distinction between the two. It is not biblicism to read the Bible and take it to heart and then try to live it out. If that is biblicism, 
then biblicism is just Christianity. But I, I do not want to confuse people by taking on a label uh, that, that we don't want to take on. We read widely and, and seek counsel from many different sources, but the Bible has the very power of God in it, and what the Bible says is true, and what the Bible says goes. And so stand on the Bible, trust the Bible when it speaks, stop being ashamed of the Bible. We have a generation in the church, increasingly, that is ashamed of the Scripture. It's ashamed of the testimony of God. It seeks wisdom, but it doesn't just, you know, give it a role. It seeks man's wisdom honestly above God's wisdom. And you need to be very, very careful about this. You need to reject such an approach. If the Bible teaches it, you and I believe it. And there's no gymnastics or games to play. So we need to remember this with regard to persecution. Matthew 5, 10 to 12, I said 10 to 11, that was a mistake. Matthew 5, 10 to 12, which I read just a minute ago, instructs us that we are blessed if we're persecuted for righteousness' sake. We are blessed if we are reviled and persecuted and others say evil things, all kinds of evil against you falsely. Jesus says, on my account, you are not supposed to uh, fall back and mourn that somebody has opposed you for not being maximally nice at all times. You are supposed to rejoice and be glad when others revile you and persecute you and say evil things about you. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. And that is exactly what the book of Acts shows us. It shows us an early church that fights for the truth, that opposes evil, and that promotes the good, the true, and the beautiful in Jesus Christ. And that is still our mandate. That is still our charge. We are not apostles. We're not in the age of the apostles. But their preaching commission, their mandate, is our mandate. We are still seeking, by God's grace, to carry out the Great Commission, to preach the gospel to everyone we can, to make disciples. And making disciples doesn't just mean a reductionist, evangelistic approach that gets people to undertake an action that seems to signal that they have become a Christian. Making disciples means giving them a full-orbed biblical worldview, grounding our children. Let's go back to our children now as we tail down in this podcast, in this episode, a biblical worldview. So this leads to our third truth. We need to disciple our children at home. We need to take responsibility for them. And we need churches that aren't just set up for a nice little spiritual experience, little pat on the back, there it is again, uh, for our Christian faith. But we need churches that partner with fathers and mothers to disciple kids in the biblical worldview that take them deep. Does your church do this? Is your church equipping children to be salt and light in evil days? Does your church acknowledge that we are in something uh, that you could call a negative world, that it's getting harder to be a disciple, that the cost of discipleship is going up? Or does your church simply assume that um, if nice little Christian kids graduate through the Sunday school system, then there's really no need to say anything more because, by and large, everything's fine out there. We need churches, not that are angry, not that are hostile, not that are wild-eyed, but we need churches that are discipleship churches, that are filled with love and joy and a sense of God's goodness, 
and that train kids for spiritual battle. Think of a text like 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 6. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. We need to conclude here today, but I want you to understand that part of discipleship is training kids for warfare. This is not how the American church often talks, but applying the text, this is how the Bible pushes us to raise our children. We're not raising our children in peacetime. We're not raising our children in a devilless world. We're raising our children when the devil is gnashing his teeth and thrashing and trying to get kids to go on hormones and cut off their, their female genitalia and their male genitalia and go on drugs that alter their body and do terrible things to their biology, in some cases irreversible things, we're in an age that hates the image of God, at least different sectors of our culture do, We're in an age that applauds you if you give in to sexual depravity. We're in an age that says, don't be thankful to the Creator. Be proud about your own unbiblical sexuality. Friends, we've got to wake up. The solution to this is not anxiety and fear and hating people. The solution to all of this is a richly God-centered approach to all of life, including the discipleship of our children. And part of that solution, wherever you are listening to this, is to be part of a strong, Bible-preaching, God-loving, neighbor-welcoming local church. And part of the solution is to be salt and light in public and to not hide your light under a bushel and congratulate yourself for no one ever saying a solitary, mean word about you. Read the book of Acts. Let the church be revived and awakened and ignited by the glory of God. The days are evil, but we should not head for the hills. What we should instead do is pray to the Lord that he will let us spark up a witness that is historic, not in our own strength, but by his grace, that we will win many who are now in darkness to the light, that we will tell the truth, that we will defy the devil, that we will love children, whether our own children, uh, the children of uh, church members, or the children who are our neighbor's children who may have absolutely no contact with the Christian faith. These are evil days. The hour is late, but the time for bold and zealous witness and the time for love of children is now. Let the little children come to me, Jesus said. So by his grace, we shall.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.